0: Go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 1. That's where we're going to be today. I mean the New Testament in Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. If you have your phone, would you go ahead and join me in going unplugged? Uh, All the Bible verses that you'll need will be on the screen. Um, So you won't need your phone at all to look at any of that. So we'll have it on the screen for you. Um, I actually loved the couple of weeks before school because the NFL was about to start back up. College football was, a, was about to start back up. And ESPN had something to talk about again, all right? Because usually at this time it's just like it's bowling, right, which is fine. I bowled in high school mainly to get out of football practice, but I still bowled in high school, um, it, you know, and, and, and other things going on. But uh, now they have something to talk about, and it's very exciting, which also means my fantasy football draft is coming up, which is also very exciting. It's a huge deal. Britta found out how big of a deal that was a couple of years ago. She was like, oh, it's no, it was a three-hour deal. All the friends got together. We had hot dogs, hamburgers, chips. It's a thing. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. Girls, some of you know what I'm talking about, too. Um, and then also, and most importantly, it means that Madden was coming out. And it was going to be another year of domination or disappointment. It just depended on the year. All right? <laughs> disappointment. Um, if you play me, yeah. So uh, it was a lot, of, a lot of fun things coming up. I actually really liked it. Um, even though I wasn't like crazy about school, but I wasn't against it or anything. But another thing about going into the new year of school is you get to think, who am I going to be, right? Who am I going to be this year? And not that you were going to try to be someone that you're not at all, but we all, we all want to make little adjustments and it's, oh, I did this last year. Okay. Don't, don't want to do that this year. Okay. I want to be better in this area or I want to, whatever, whatever that is, it's, it's who do I want to be this year? And I love that it was a new beginning. And it's also going to be a new beginning for us here at church as we start uh, our new year. So Promotion Sunday's coming up, which means you go to a new grade or a new building. You get a new teacher, a new department, a new class. You get new people in your classrooms. So it's a brand new year. And with that, if, if you've never been to Champion Forest, uh, if you don't know, our mission is Helping all kinds of people make sense out of life through Christ-centered living. Helping all kinds of people make sense out of life through Christ-centered living. And we have a strategy to implement that. And it's no grow, go. Very simple. It's no grow, go. The first one is to know Jesus, meaning having a, a personal, intimate relationship with him that's authentic. The second one is... It's to grow, so we want to grow deeper in our knowledge of Christ, but also what it means to be a follower of Christ, always becoming more and more like him. And then the last one is go. So we want to uh, allow the Lord to use our gifts, our talents, our passions to be able to serve the church, the community, and then also the rest of the world. No, grow, go. So we're going to focus on that first one today. So if you're in Mark chapter 1, uh, start with me here in verse 16. Mark chapter 1, verse 16. It says, Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he, meaning Jesus, saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much, God, for today. And Father, we thank you that we're able to gather in a place, God, to learn more about you, God, to worship who you are, God, to, to, to see your love written in these pages, God, but to also see your plans and your purposes written in these pages. Father, I pray that you would move me out of the way today, and God, that you would speak And God, all that anyone would hear is what you have to say and what you have to tell them. God, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here's here's my question for you today. It's going to sound simple, but we're going to break it down a little bit further. Okay? So when I say this very simple thing, don't block me out. Okay? Here's the simple question. You ready? Do you know Jesus? Think about it. I told you it was simple. Do you know Jesus? Or do you just know about him? There's a difference there. Do you know Jesus or do you just know about him? We're going to look at that a little bit more today, but think about that. And like I said, as we're going into the new year, we want to think about who we're going to be, right? Again, not to be someone fake, but it comes from what we say, what we do, the way that we treat people, the way that we act or react to certain situations or certain people or certain things. It all comes back, it all boils back down to what we believe, what we believe. What we believe about ourselves, what we believe about others, what we believe about life, its meaning, why we're here, what we're supposed to be doing, But most importantly, what do we believe about Jesus? Because with Jesus, it requires an answer. And a no answer is a no answer. See what I'm saying? There's no middle ground. It's either yes or it's no. If it's I don't care, then it's no. If it's I don't know, then it's no. It's either a yes or a no. You're either following Jesus or you're not. They either drop their nets and followed him, or they didn't. It's either one or the other. I love how simple God makes it. So the question again is, do you really know Jesus, or do you just know about him? Another way to say it is, do you have a real relationship with Jesus? And don't just hear me say words, but ask yourself this. Do I have a real relationship with Jesus, or do I just know stuff about him? Is what I have with Jesus, is it personal? Is it intimate? Is it real? Do I tell him the real things? Or do I have scripted prayers? Do, do, do I talk to him about what's really going on? Or do I just know a lot of stuff about him? And I keep him close enough to where it's convenient I can pull out the Jesus card. But far enough away to where he asks me to do something outside of my comfort zone, no I'm not there yet whatever that means. We know statistics, and we know facts about him, and those things aren't bad at all. But did God mean for it to just stay there, to just know the back of his baseball card? I don't even know what that means? <laughs> like, you, you just know stuff about him, and, and, and is that what God created him for, so that you could dominate some Jesus trivia one day in life? Or did he create us and create everything else to know him in a deeper way, to know him in a more intimate way? We actually, we talk about people that we don't know and we talk about, like, we know them, like, all the time. Think about, like, every talk show, like, Entertainment Tonight. I don't watch that. It just accidentally sometimes ends up on my TV as I'm scrolling. Um, or, Or, like, ESPN. They just talk about, people all day. Like, we do this all the time, right? Or reality TV shows, and we hear something that someone did, and you're like, Kylie Jenner would never do that. Like, you don't know her, right? You watch her, and you listen to her, and she doesn't know you. That's creepy. But, I mean, I do that too, right? Y'all remember the story of, of me meeting Chris Paul? If you don't, let me, let me break it down for you again. So, it was, it was Britta's and I's six-month anniversary, Okay, that wasn't my present to ourselves was me meeting him. It just happened. Okay, so we went to the Cheesecake Factory because she loves Cheesecake Factory. uh, And it has literally everything, so it's great. Um, And it was like a nine-year wait for a table inside. So we just went out to the patio because it was July. So I was like, whatever. Uh, So we go out to the patio and we sit down. and, And we're being very intentional in our conversation. But I also, I'm always very aware of what's going on, right? Like, I always think I'm in, like, an action movie and something's about to go down. Or maybe it's just because my dad taught it to me that way, right? Like, I would just, like, I would be ready, okay? Um, But, so I'm always looking around, and I notice this guy. And at first, I'm just like, oh, it's an athletic dude. He's wearing a backwards hat, some basketball shorts, whatever. And then I look at him again, and I'm like, it kind of looks familiar. You know, I'm thinking about it, thinking about it, and having conversation with Britta still. I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. And I look again, and I'm like, that dude looks like Chris Paul, right? And at this time, last year, the Rockets had just acquired Chris Paul. If you don't know who Chris Paul is, he's a basketball player. He plays for the Rockets. He's really good. And we had just, we had just acquired him. We traded, like, our entire team for him. Um, and so we, we just got him, our entire future. Uh, and so we got him, so I was like, wait a minute. No, maybe that's just my brain, you know, because we just acquired him. I'm a huge Rockets fan. I'm a huge basketball fan. I'm like, no, nah, that's not. And I look again, and I have, like, this moment where it's like, poof, and my eyes are this big, and then we lock eyes. And so I probably look very weird, <laughs> right? Like, and he's probably thinking like, oh, no, like this guy knows, you know, and it's like that moment, right? Like is he going to play it cool? Is he going to fangirl me? Is it going to get weird, right? Am I going to have to like call security? And we kind of have this moment, but I'm like trying to let him know like, no, 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 I'm cool, I'm cool. I'm not one of those, right? Like I'm cool. Uh, and, and it's, it's crazy to me, and I'm looking around, and nobody else knows that that's him, and he's sitting there just eating lunch with his wife, and I think, I think the wait staff knows. I think the people that worked at Cheesecake Factory knew that was him, but there's like 20, 30 other people on the patio, and nobody knows that that's Chris Paul, right? So I'm like, what is going on? Like, is this, well, like, like, am I being pranked? What's going on? And, you know, it, it's, it's funny because, like, I know a ton about Chris Paul, and nobody else knew that was him. I was like, Okay, this dude played high school basketball in North Carolina, where then he went to Wake Forest, right? They went to the tournament. Uh, he got drafted in a 2005 round, uh, 2005 draft, first round, fourth overall pick by the New Orleans Hornets. I'll tell you all about it later, it's still confusing. He won Rookie of the Year. He's led the league in assists four times. He said the most assists, more than anyone. That means when you pass it and they score. More than anyone, four times in the NBA. All right. Or if you live in America, if you do anything in America and you win, then it's called a world championship. So he was, I love that about us. World champions. Well, isn't this just America? No, there's one team in Canada, world champions. I love it. Okay. Back on track, right? Um, we should do that in Texas too. Uh, he's led, he's led uh, the league in steals six times. He's a nine-time NBA All-Star. James Harden has six, if you just want to compare. Like, this dude is a stud. He's an absolute stud. And the Rockets had just acquired him, and I am pumped up. I mean, he's huge. He's huge. But the thing is, is I don't know what to do. <laughs> uh, if y'all remember me telling you, I, 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 I didn't know, like, how to, how to, like, approach him or if I didn't approach him. So when our waiter came back over, I was like, hey, you see that guy over there? And he was like you mean Chris Paul? And I was like, yeah, that one. Um, I was like, could you, uh, could you send him a cheesecake for me? <laughs> it's like, you know, and I'm sure my waiter still wanted a tip. So he was like, yeah, sh- sure, man. Yeah. Like and what kind of cheesecake? And I was like, I don't know, strawberry, you know, that's red rockets. Okay. You know, that works or whatever. Um, I don't know. And so like 15 minutes later, I keep looking for this cheesecake, and it finally comes out, and, like, he doesn't touch it, so I'm a little hurt, but uh, he ended up coming over to us, and he introduced himself to us, and we're talking, and it's crazy, because he's, like, my height, so in my head, I'm like, dude, I could, like, post this dude up, like, you know, uh, but he was wearing a bigger shirt, and I'm pretty sure I could not, um, and I'm glad I didn't say anything dumb like that, uh, but, but it was really cool, and I mean, he was talking to us, they were looking for a place up here, they just, they were moving uh, and then they came by before they left and said that again. I mean, it, it, was, it was awesome. Like, I felt like I knew him before we left. Like, I was like, yeah, you know, me and C, you know, I got him a cheesecake. You know, it's all good. You know, it's, we're on that level now, you know. So, um, but, but here's the thing. Uh, when you go up to him today and you be like, hey, Ryan Parker said hi, he would have no idea what you're talking about. He would have no idea who you're talking about. Actually, two months later when I was at the Rockets game, I had, I had the courtside seats, and I was, like, hoping he'd, like, see me, but, like, trying to play it cool. And, and we locked eyes, and he didn't remember. It. And I'm like, I bought you a cheesecake, man. Like, <laughs> like, what are you doing? This is a $6 cheesecake. Like, you owe me six bucks, Chris Paul. Um, but he, he would have no idea who you were talking about. No idea. And so I know a lot of this stuff about him, and I've even talked to him, but I didn't have a personal relationship with him. And my fear is, is that some of us know Jesus like I know Chris Paul. Like we know a lot about him. We'd be able to point him out. We'd even do nice stuff for him. But at the end of the day, we don't know him personally. We just know about him. And I'm saying, say, if that's you today, I just want to tell you, man, there's so much more. There is so, so, so much more. Then just do these things that get you green checks and stay away from the things that get you red X's. There is so much more to this. There's a there's a scripture. Um, I remember reading it a few years ago at camp uh, when I was a team leader to the iron pigs. I think there's still a couple iron pigs in here. And I remember reading this, and uh, it's probably one of the scariest scriptures in all uh, yeah, Morgan. It was probably one of the scariest scriptures in all of the Bible to me. from Matthew chapter 7. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out the demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I, Jesus, will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Like These people cast out demons in his name, did miracles in his name, and Jesus said they weren't true followers? Like, how is that possible? That kind of that scares me a little bit, right, that they can do all of these things. So I bet when people saw them, they're like, oh, for sure, they're, they're one of their followers. Let's go talk to these other people now that, that aren't. But clearly there's something more than than just intellectual knowledge or just doing things to do them, but there's something deeper than that. Later on in the book of Mark, in chapter 7, verse 6, Jesus said, These people honor me with their lips. He's quoting Isaiah. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So clearly there's something deeper than that, and then it starts in the heart. And then it starts to the deepest part, and it continues into the deepest part of who we are. And maybe you don't know Jesus in the way that I'm describing. And maybe for the first time, you're finding out that it's even possible for you to know Jesus or God on this personal level. Maybe you just think he, he's something way off in the distance that, that doesn't have time for you, and he's off like running the world or the universe, and he doesn't have time for you. And I'm, and I'm here to tell you, that's not true. As if he can't handle all of that. He can. And he wants a personal relationship with you. He desires it. And so if you don't know Jesus in this way, well it's a good thing that God didn't leave us guessing. He told us exactly what to do and what that looks like in His word. Let's go back to Mark chapter one. So what does it look like to know Jesus personally? Well, actually, if you look back in verse 14, 14 and 15, Jesus says or, or the uh, Mark's Gospel says this it says now after John was arrested John the Baptist was arrested Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand repent and believe in the gospel now somebody tell me what does repent mean go ahead Okay, yeah, it's a part of it. Go ahead. You said it. To turn away from. Okay, good. What else? What else? Just say it. What's up? Turn away from sin and self. Yeah, absolutely. It means to turn away, turn away from this sinful, this old way and to, to run to God, right? Because if you just turn away from something but there's no direction, you're going to end right back where you were, right? So it's to turn away from sin and this old way, to turn away from, to, from selfish ways and to go to God. And it's not just a, oh, I feel bad, or I know I shouldn't do that because God says. But it's knowing that when we sin, it's against a holy and eternal God. That word actually means to have a change of mind. To have a change of mind. To where it's my emotions, maybe my emotions and my feelings still tell me this is okay. But I know in God's word, it says that that's not where life is. That he is where life is. So it's a change of mind, not just a following of the feelings and choosing God. And sometimes that's tough. Sometimes that's tough. So it's to repent. And then the second part is to believe. Who can quote Romans 10.9? Go for it, Logan. Say it loud. Super loud. No, say it louder. Say it louder. You got you to gotta, like yell it. Like, like to where it's a little uncomfortable. Sure. Y'all give him a hand. Come on. Scary now. If Okay, yeah. If you confess, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and you believe in your heart that you should be saved, if you believe in your heart, the oh hell? Gosh, it's scary up here. It's very scary. I know. <laughs> That's why I brought you up here so you know it's scary, and I I don't feel as scared now. Okay. If, here, it's these red words. I know See, I know, you know, know you know it. I've asked you this before, and you and I know I know you know it. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, then you should be saved. With the heart one believes, resulting in righteousness; with mouth one, the heart one believes, resulting in salvation. With mouth one confesses, resulting in salvation. Yes, thank you. Y'all give him a hand. He even did an extra verse there. I don't know if y'all knew that. He did an extra verse. That was awesome. Um, it, it's it's <laughs> it's to turn away from the old sinful ways of life, to turn to God and to believe. That his sacrifice and what he did on the cross is enough to cover your sins. It's not Jesus plus good things, it's not Jesus plus anything, it's Jesus' everything. He completely has covered your sins and he's given you new life. It's repenting from the old ways and believing in these things. And another thing is to acknowledge him as Lord. And when I think of Lord, sometimes I think of Shrek. Y'all know where, y'all know where I'm going? Lord Farquaad, yes. right? Just like mad at everything, right? Okay, but that's not what it was. Now, that title back then meant someone in power and authority, but when they, when they referred to, when the New Testament writers referred to Jesus as Lord, it was talking, obviously, about way more than that. That the word they used for Lord, were, they were saying that he was God, that, that, that he was Lord above all lords. It was a completely different meaning. And when we call Jesus Lord, we're saying he is God, and we are committing ourselves to him. We're committing ourselves to him. It's not just something that we, that, that we use if it's convenient or drop when it's inconvenient. We're saying that he is Lord. Look back in Mark chapter 1, verse 16 through 18. Look at these words and the actions. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, Casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. 18. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Raise your hand. Who in here likes to fish? Just go for it. You like to fish? Okay. All right. Okay. Cooper, what's the biggest fish you've ever caught? Don't lie. I can tell you're not lying because you said, I don't know. I respect that. Okay. Who's caught the biggest fish in here? Have you? Yeah, what was it? It was a pregnant catfish? That's horrible. But I like how the fish was also a catfish. If it was going to be any fish, it would be a catfish. I love that. Yes. Uh, hammerhead Hammerhead shark? Goodness gracious. Okay. I like that. Yes. Huh? A sailfish? I don't know what that is. I know what a sailboat is. So clearly I'm not, I'm not a big fisherman or fisher or whatever that is. I actually tried to go fishing for the first time in fourth grade. And um, I hear my dad laughing because he knows this story. I tried to go fishing for the first time in fourth grade, and I was with a buddy of mine. And I go, to cast, I go to cast my line, and it goes, and I was like, okay, I think I got it. And it goes, and the hook goes straight into my friend's neck true story. It was awesome. (laughs) I was like, I just caught a human out of water. Like I didn't even need to go to the water. No, I'm just kidding. It was not awesome. I was scared. It's funny to think about now because he's fine. Um, But I didn't know that at the time. It was really bad. Um, It was really bad. So I stick to real sports. So um, not that I'm good. But But so when we think of fishing, we think something fun to do, right? Something that we do on the weekends or maybe something that old guys do because they can't move on the court anymore, right? Um, So (laughs) um, it's something extracurricular. But to these guys, to Andrew and Simon, man, it's not something they did on the weekends. This was their job. This was the way that they provided for their family. This was their career. And as far as they knew, This was all they were going to do for the rest of their lives. This is who they were. When people asked about Andrew, they'd be like, oh, the fisherman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about Simon? Oh, Simon the, the fisherman? Yeah. That's how people knew them. That's who they were. This was more than a job. This was their identity. This was who they were as a person. But that's what Jesus does. When Jesus calls us, he calls us and he changes our identity. He calls us to repent, to leave the old ways behind, and to believe in him and to receive a new identity. This is exactly what Jesus does, to repent and to believe, to acknowledge him as Lord. And here's my third and final thing. So what does it look like to follow Jesus? The word follow means something a lot different today, um, even within the past like 10 years than it did back then. To follow, we think of someone we follow on Instagram, someone we follow on Twitter or Snapchat or anything like that, right? We, we follow people today because we want to see some, we want to get information about what they're saying or what they're doing or, or, or see what's going on in their life, um, but, but, it's, but it's distant, right? It's information that you can get about someone and it still be distant. But Mark, when he uses the word follow, it means to be a disciple, be someone that's learning, continually learning, continually following. He uses this term 17 times in his gospel. And when we follow Jesus, it means that we're putting him first. It means that we're putting him above all, that we're actually following him. I'm going to let David Platt read some words here. He said this, There's only one conclusion to draw when we hear, follow me. Jesus is worthy of far more than church attendance and casual association. We have such a dangerous tendency to reduce Jesus to a poor, puny Savior who is just begging for you and me to accept him into our lives. As if Jesus needed to be accepted by us. Jesus doesn't need our acceptance He is infinitely worthy of all glory in the whole universe. And he doesn't need us at all, but we need him. When Jesus said, Follow me, it really wasn't an invitation. There's no question mark. It wasn't, Follow me? It wasn't, Please? I'm begging you. It was a command. So when Jesus says, Follow me, when he calls us, he's not asking, he's commanding, he's not inviting. And I know that we use the word invite, right, to invite Jesus into our hearts. And I think what we're really trying to say is to receive. And that's from John chapter 1, to receive him. Right? And I think that's right. But when I hear the word invite, I think of, like, being, in, like, being invited to, like, a little kid's birthday party. Right? And if I don't have anything else going on, then I'll go. Because invite sounds like, well, maybe. Invite sounds like, hmm. If I don't have anything else going on, invite sounds optional. But there's nothing in the text here that makes it sound optional at all. And maybe that's why people give up on him. Maybe they give up on him because they thought he was optional. And that they chose him, so to speak, when it was convenient. And then they find out that life isn't convenient. And then they find out that life isn't made to cater around their needs. And so when it becomes inconvenient, they drop him. But I use the word drop loosely because to drop Jesus when it's inconvenient means you never had him in the first place. You never had him in the first place. Because to have Jesus, Jesus told us we will have troubles in this life. Take up your cross and follow me. But he also said, I've got this. Take heart, for I have overcome the world. Take heart, we win in the end. I don't know if you read Revelation. It's kinda hard to get through sometimes. But we won the war. Like the battle is won. And yes, we're still here fighting, but he's given us what we need to fight. And let me get into that a little bit. The Bible says that all of us are dead in our own sins. We're spiritually dead. We're born spiritually dead. And that might sound weird, but just hang with me for just a second. If we're born spiritually dead, dead people don't do a lot of decision making. And they certainly don't do a lot of inviting. If you think that, we need to talk after this. They don't. But if you remember Jonah's words from chapter 2, he said, I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth. Whose gates lock shut forever. But you, O Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. He's saying that he was as good as dead, but that God came and rescued him. And we're in the exact same position. We're in the exact same position. That it's Jesus that comes and he calls us and he says, Follow me. That it's Jesus who comes and he gets us and he pulls us out of the grave and he calls us from death to life. He's the one that does that for us. And that's, that's such a beautiful thing because there's nothing that we could give him in return. There's no, there's no transaction here. There's no, hey, if you do this for me, then, then I'll give you anything like that. And because there's nothing that we can give him, the only reason why he does it is, is out of his love, but also that, so that he will receive glory and that others will also come to know his love and his name. And if you're like, well, man, well, I, I'm the one that, that actually did the believing in him. Like, I, I remember that moment when I placed my trust in him. And, and I would say, I do too. And I'm not, I'm not saying that, that that moment didn't happen at all. I'm not saying that. That's a very special moment. That's the moment in eternity where God came and he got you, where he brought you to life. I'm just saying that that faith and that belief and that trust that you used first didn't come from you. That God gave you that faith to use and then you used it. Because we're spiritually dead. If we're spiritually dead, we can't make decisions. But he gave us the ability to do so. GotQuestions.org, which is a great website that I go to and I trust, it says this. Even the faith to believe for salvation does not originate within our fleshly nature. God enables the fallen human heart to seek him. When, in our own self-centered rebellion, we would never do so. Every good thing originates with God. This is James 1.17. Faith in God is a good thing, and so it also originates with God. See, you and I have nothing that would draw Jesus in. There was nothing that Simon and Andrew were doing that attracted Jesus. Some people would say, oh, well, they were fishermen, they were hard workers, and they were this and that. Well, if the Bible says that you play no part in your salvation. Well, then we can't say that, even if they were hard workers. That's not why Jesus chose them, and that's not why Jesus chooses us. He chooses us out of the, out of the good plan of his will, out of his pleasure to save us, to draw us to his love, to, to have us be a part of his plan, to work out his plan through us and to receive glory. Here's also a cool thing about this, and then um, I'm going to ask the band to come up, and we'll close. So back then, the rabbis, which were the Jewish teachers, they had followers, right? Uh, but here's the thing. If you wanted to follow a rabbi, you had to go to him. You had to go to the rabbi, and you had to see if you were worthy enough to be able to be his follower, to which then he would say yes, or he would say no. And you had to learn all these things. You had to know all of these things and do all of these things to hopefully Be worthy to be his follower. And here's Jesus completely flipping the script, knowing that there's nothing that we could do to be worthy. And he goes out and he calls his followers. And he says, come follow me. You see how backwards that sounds to them? It it sounds completely backwards that someone in authority like that would go out and seek followers to where the other one's would sit in, in their nice clothes, in their nice room, and, and, and wait people to come to them to see if they were worthy. Jesus flips that, and he goes out, and he gets people. He, he gets the ones that the world would say are not worthy, that others might not choose. And aren't you thankful for that? I am. That Jesus goes out, and he seeks others. Here's the last thing. Following Jesus... It may begin with a one-time decision, but it's a continual trust and a dependence or relying on his promises. That the repent part, it doesn't happen just one time, but it's something that should happen daily. And something to where we, we turn away daily and we run to God, the more and more that that seems less of something that's, that's grabbing onto us to fix our mind on the things that are above. And God can, he starts to change our passions. We start to love the things that God loves. Have you ever asked him for that? We start to, to, to try to get away from the things that, that God doesn't like. God, help my heart be like your heart. Help my mind be like your mind. But here's the cool thing. Jesus not only takes the initiative to choose us, he actually gives us the power we need to use us. He gives us what we need to be able to use us. I hope that you would remember this. I, I always say this to myself. It's in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul says, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Jesus isn't going to start something within you and then not finish it. He doesn't do that. You're not some project to him. Right? If Jesus has called you, you're his son and you're his daughter. You're, you're a child of God. He's not going to start something within you and not finish it. He will bring it to completion. He will finish that work through you. And Jesus told these fishermen, I will make you become fishers of men. He says, make you. And then he says, become. There's a sense that there's a teaching along the way. It's not, hey, go to school, then you can be my follower. Jesus says, follow me. Come on, come along. Like, I'm going to show you along the way. I'm going to teach you, and I'm going to guide you along the way. Guys, look at me. This is huge. So many of us think, and sometimes we think that, no, 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 I got to know these certain things before I can start being effective for God, or or I got to be a certain age before I can start doing things for God. Or, or, no, no, I just need to get through middle school. I just need to get through high school. No, 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 I promise. Once I graduate college and I'm in the real world, then I'll start living for God. Well, just remind me. Remind me of a time in the Bible where someone's age stopped God from working through them. Oh, wait. Remind me of a time when someone's background stopped God from using them. Remind me of a time where someone's past and their mess-ups stopped God from using them. Remind me of a time when someone's lack of education stopped God from using them. You can't get in God's way. He created you. He knows you. He desires to be with you, even though he doesn't need us. That's love. That's absolute love. Pastor Fleming says this, and I, and I always loved it. He says, God's not looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability. He'll give you what you need. He knows what gifts and what talents he's going to give you. He knows your passions. He knows your desires. He wants to use those, and he will. But he's not looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability. And so I'll leave you with this Jesus says, Come with me. It's not an invitation. It's a command. And sometimes when we hear command, we think, like, you know, someone coming down on us hard, or if it's a parent or coach or teacher or whatever it is. But God's commands are the best possible things for us. God's commands are where life is. God's commands are where joy is. He commands us these certain things because he loves us so much. And he knows the ways of life. And he wants to lead us into life. So the question remains, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Or do you just know about Jesus? Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that the truth of God's word is both encouraging and uplifting to you. If you'd like more information about our church, service times, or locations, or if you have a question about what you heard today and you want to connect with someone, I want to encourage you to visit us on our website at championforest.org. Have a great day, and God bless.